Genesis 3.20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. I want to speak to you today on this first mother whose name was Eve. God bless you. You can be seated. Well, today is Mother's Day, as you've already heard multiple times, and it's a day set aside to honor mothers. But I wanted to take a moment to, first of all, acknowledge that there are people in our church, family, who've lost their moms in the past year, and I want to acknowledge that and say that I know this makes it a very difficult year for you. We have also in our church mothers who have lost children. We have at least one gold star mother who lost her son in combat for the United States of America. Honoring mothers is based on biblical principles. And God's concerned about your relationship with Him, but He's also concerned about your relationships with other people, starting with your family. There's a blessing according to Exodus chapter 20, 12, the sixth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Jesus taught in his ministry that there were people who violated this sixth commandment by pretending to have a religious consecration, but they used it as an excuse for not taking care of their aging parents. You can read about it in Mark chapter 7. The Apostle Paul rehearsed the sixth commandment when he was saying that this is the first commandment that has a promise connected to it, that if you honor your father and your mother, that the Lord will give you a long life, your days on the earth will be long. So in the spirit of honoring our mother, I would like to give honor to the mothers that are part of our family. First of all, I want to honor my wife faithful and godly, who served the Lord her entire life. As you may know, last Sunday we were in Ohio. I preached there in her home church. Family members who have been away from the Lord came to church, and they're going to be there again today. It was a tremendous turning point for which I am deeply grateful. But that's the result of the prayers of her family, including my wife, every morning and every night she prays for her family. When we were in Bible college, I noticed her because she was in the prayer room before church. And then she was late for Sunday dinner every week because she worked in bus ministry in the local church as a Bible college student. And believe me, the rush for lunch was like a you know, stampede down Highway 18, those students making their way to lunch. John Turner's saying amen over there, maybe a different campus. My wife has ridden the rapids of ministry with me, serving in a lot of capacities, usually simultaneously. She's prayerful, devoted to the Bible and God. She's godly and spiritual and a fantastic mom to our sons, Ryan, Joel, and Justin, a great mother-in-law and an incredible nana to Lincoln, Rhett, Zara, Camden, Warren, Kendall, Nora, and who knows who's next. Speaking this prophetic word by faith over one of our three families. The Bible said to let her children praise her 
in the gates, and I give honor to her today as representative of all the wonderful moms in our great church. I also want to honor my mom. And uh, by the way, I'm not just wasting words. I have a purpose for my honor today. In the second service, Lord willing, my mom is going to be with us. She's staying at my sister Darla's right now. But I appreciate my mom for being an amazing mom to myself, Darla, Darren, and David. She was faithful to God and her husband, strong and steady, very hardworking, loving and thoughtful, very organized person, never forgot a special event in your life. She was always engaged with whatever we were doing as kids, was a part of that. If we came home from fishing and had fish, she took lots of pictures and then cooked it to perfection. And this year on November 15th, Lord willing, she will celebrate her 90th birthday. Amen. She's weathered a lot of storms and changes in the past year. And I love my mom and I honor my sister for taking care of her. And our daughters-in-law, Kinsey, Yolanda, and Teresa. So I want to ask you, how, how are you honoring your mom this year? How are you doing that every day of your life? Did you buy your mom a card? What about some flowers? How about a gift? Did you give her some money, some cold cash? Or a gift card? Did you help lift your mom's load in a practical way around the house or the yard? Or did you do something? Did you wash your car? Did you do something for your mom? Did you thank your mom for being an amazing person? Did you give her a really big hug? If you honored her, I know she appreciated. Was your mom there when you needed her? Did your mom sacrifice her time and money maybe down to her own dreams and plans for you? If you needed to, have you apologized to your mom this week? If you didn't, you should. And if your mom has passed away, please honor her memory. And in my notes on purpose, if you had a really bad mom, and I'm not saying that to be funny, if you had a mom that was not a biblical model of a mom, Find a way to be thankful for the good that has come from your life because she brought you into this world. Find a way to say, thank you, God, for my mother. And if you have a stepmom or an adopted mom, all the more reason because she chose you to be your mom. Now, don't do it right now, but please make time to honor your mother today. And you see, moms, every mom is a descendant of that first mom, Eve, who was the mother of all living. Now, it's important to me, and I believe it's important to God and for a church, that on special days like this, we align ourselves with what the Bible says about relationships, about roles, about how we were created. When we were talking about honoring a mom, I gave you the scriptural basis for that. But if we're not careful, we will fall into the failures of our country to disrespect. We will be like our culture that disrespects all people of authority. The Apostle Paul in Romans, writing about the decline of civilizations, said that in people's walk away from God, they were disobedient to their parents. They were heartless, had no mercy. In 2 Timothy, when Paul was writing about the end of time. 
He said that in the last days there will be perilous or difficult times that people will love themselves and their money. They'll be disobedient to their parents. You would think with this long list of terrible sins that being disobedient or dishonoring parents wouldn't make that list. But relationships and honor is important to God. Paul said in this last day people would be unloving and unforgiving. They would be absent of self-control. They would be cruel and they would hate what was good. They would betray their friends. They would love pleasures more than God. They would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the real power. And in that list is that they would disobey and dishonor their parents. So with the climate of our culture and with the mixed messages about values, about right and wrong, about the absolutes of God's world that He created, it's important for us to know how He designed us, how to get along in a home, in a church, so that we can get along and be a light to a lost world. The Bible established relationships and roles for husbands and wives and children, and He did it so we could be a model of what society should look like, act like, so we could mirror the character of God to a fallen world. You see, we were formed, and the way we were formed determines how we should function. Function follows form. God created us in His image and after His likeness, male and female, with the particular nature to function in a way that would bless this world and bless us ourselves. But in our society that has rejected God and the Bible, the effect of it is that families have become fractured, dysfunctional, families have disintegrated, and only God can heal our nation. But God can only heal our nation when He heals our homes. And He can only heal our homes when He heals our hearts and brings us back into alignment with the way He formed us, amen, and the way we should function in a family. We cherish the Bible and biblical values because not only are they right, but they work. The Bible is not a rule book. It's a, it's a guidebook for life. It's an owner's manual to tell us how we should live. If we're going to understand this, we should go back to study what the Bible says about mothers there. This fascinating verse in the Bible has captivated me. I wrote about it in my May newsletter. And Adam, Genesis 3.20, called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now there's a really cool principle about Bible study. That if you want to study something in the Bible, you should practice the law of first mention. That means go back to where this idea, concept, principle was first mentioned in the Bible and start your study there. So since this is the beginning of motherhood, back in the genesis of time, we should go back there. So here's how it unfolded. God created... Man, Adam, uh, in his image and after his likeness. And 
The Bible said that Adam named all the animals, but there was not found a help meet for him. So God put him to sleep. I love telling grooms at their wedding that Adam was asleep when he got married. Usually it's just stand here and do what I say. I told a bride last Saturday that, you know, this girl was nervous getting married and we're trying to help her. And so they said, look, all you need three words. You're going to walk down the aisle. You're going to go to the altar and you're going to marry him. You just need to remember those three words. Walk down the aisle. Stand at the altar. Marry him. And as she nervously made her way down the aisle, the guests could hear her saying, aisle, altar, him. Aisle, altar, him. <laughs> God did surgery on Adam, took out a rib, made a woman, made her from his side, and brought her to him. It was an arranged marriage. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. This is all the way back in Genesis. They were naked. They were not ashamed. They were joined together in marriage. God brought them together. But the Lord said, Adam needs help. I love that line when, you know, they say God looked at Adam and said, I can do better. So he made Eve. She's a helper comparable to him. She completes him. Eve is his counterpart. God created a mutual dependency. Remember, function follows form. God created it this way. She is not less than him. She's from his side, not his head, not his foot. She is to be beside him. In 1 Corinthians 11... When Paul is writing about headship and the application of that in hair and conduct, he said that the woman was made for the man. I know that may sound a little harsh on Mother's Day, but that's what the Bible said. And she should have power on her head because of the angels. But then the Lord created this mutual dependency because the first woman came from the man, but every man since then has come from a woman so the Lord has tied us together so no one feels like they are superior. In Genesis 2.25, even though she is not named there, she is called Adam's wife. And I believe that the name is held on purpose for a particular reason. Now, between Adam getting married and Adam naming his wife, Adam and his wife fall into sin. There is a temptation that comes to them and there are consequences. Genesis 3.16 Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. Eve is never given birth but in the future when she does it will be painful. She'll desire her husband. Now, you can ask this and you can study this. Does it mean that she will desire Adam's protection? Will she desire Adam's affection? 
Will she desire to control Adam? Perhaps all of the above. But the Bible said ultimately that he's going to be your head. He will rule over you. Now if you asked Eve right then how she enjoyed the fruit, I would think she had had a change of heart. When she saw it, she said it's good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes. It's desired to make one wise. And she ate it, was deceived. Adam was not, but he joined her in sin. And then there is the sting of sin, the shame of sin, the separation from God, running, hiding. And there God, in his act of redemption, comes looking for them. Amen. Now God had a right to terminate Adam and Eve right then. He could have just said, erase earth, let it go up in flames, and let me start elsewhere all over again. I, can, I am God, I am sovereign, I can do whatever I want. But the Bible is the story of redemption. And even as Adam and Eve are judged, the Lord is showing mercy and he is acting redemptively. He comes looking for Adam and Eve. And he has come looking for lost people ever since then. He came into this world to seek and to save those that were lost. In the middle of all this chaos and failure, there is the first prophecy of a Messiah who would come. And the Lord says in Genesis 3.15 that a descendant of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. And in the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus dealt Satan a fatal blow that will one day lead to his eternal demise. So there we are in Genesis. We're going to be evicted from the garden. But there is redemption and hope that is found even in the middle of their sin and their broken, fractured family. What a story. The Lord tells Adam and Eve, that they're going to be mortal. Spiritual death will lead to physical death. And Adam, until the day he would die, would work up a sweat, struggling to eke out an existence in the ground that was cursed. From dust to dust, the Lord said, I took you from the ground. You're going to go back there. And what happens next is what has captivated me about this story since I first felt inspired to write about it and then to speak about it today. This woman who is called Adam's wife does not yet have a name. She's a woman. She's a wife. But immediately following the dark news of death that the Lord has given to Adam and his wife. Now, Adam had named all the animals. You remember that? Genesis 2, 19 and 20. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. The Lord let Adam name every living thing, every animal. He called all the creatures the name thereof, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. So it's time to name his wife. Time to name the woman. She has just led him down a road of destruction. 
ate the fruit, shared it with him. The ground is cursed. The serpent is cursed. Adam and Eve have consequences of sin. So what would you name your wife right then? Gullible. Naive. Maybe just call her temptation. Or cursed. Or death. When Adam names his wife and he names her, there is like a spirit of prophecy, I believe, that comes on him. He has heard what God has said about her and what she will be and what she will do. But look at this in Genesis 3 and 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now the reason my message is entitled Eve today is because Eve does not mean death. The name Eve means life. And through Eve, death would yield to life. And there would be a future of promise and hope for the human race. Amen. Eve is a woman. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. She will give birth to children. She will nurture them from her own body. Amen. I've thought about how Adam and Eve might have reacted when they found out that she was expecting My grandmother, my great-grandmother would not say the word pregnant. She was expecting. Think about this. Did she have morning sickness? They didn't know what was happening. This had never happened before. Did she feel fatigue? Did she get a little moody on Adam? Started gaining some weight. Ankles were swelling. Had cravings. I mean, where do you get pickles and ice cream and chocolate when you've been kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Where do you go then? Eve experienced motherhood for the first time in human history when her son Cain was born. And she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Even though her son was born from her body, she knew that he came from God because it was God who gave her life and gave her the ability to produce life. It's fascinating to me that Eve, who introduced death to the world, was not labeled by her past. Adam did not tie her to her failure. Adam did not tie her to her sin. Adam did not tie her to the dark days of mortality. But he said, you are life. You are going to be the mother of all living. Hallelujah. And on this Mother's Day, I want to tell you that this story in our Bible, that out of the darkest hour of their life came a shimmering light of hope. Amen. And on this Mother's Day Sunday morning, I would like to tell you that God does not see your failure and your past. But if you will turn to Him, He's got a new name for you. He's got a new identity before you. You're not cursed. You're not death. You're not sin. But in you is life. It's life that is coming into you today. Why don't you thank Him right now? (laughs) 
I'm amazed at this story. I wasn't even sure where this story would lead. But from cursing can come blessing. From your defeat can come victory. And from death can come life. I don't know how life has labeled you. I don't know what kind of identity has been put on you by your family, by your friends, by this world. But I've come to tell you that God is a redeemer and he has come to call you to something better, something beautiful, something good. Adam looked at that woman who had led him into failure and said, no, from you is going to come a savior who's going to crush the head of the serpent. And from your body is going to come a baby. You are life. You are life. You are life. Oh, if you found what I'm talking about, you ought to really thank the Lord today. For I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was a sinner, but now I'm saved. I was an outcast, but now I've been brought near. My failures tried to lock me in the past, but Jesus gave me a future. Oh, hallelujah. Today I speak life over you. Today I speak blessing over you. Today I speak hope over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord bless you on Mother's Day. Whether you've got a a checkered past, a sinful past, wherever you are today, today is a new beginning. Today is life. Today is hope. Today is deliverance. Today is salvation.